questions, but I got a dumb question in my email today. I got a really dumb question in my email, and the thing is, is I don't believe my uh, general disposition is a secret in fandom. I really don't, and so whenever I encounter somebody who obviously doesn't know who they're talking to in my email, I... I almost feel sorry for them. There's a little bit of pity there. Not enough that I don't tell them to kiss my ass, but there's a little bit of pity. Today, I was asked why I don't write um, emotional, angsty conflict, which to me, in my mind, when she said that, what she really meant is, why don't you torture your characters mentally and emotionally? Because I don't like it. That's why. I write for me. I write what I like. I don't write what you like. That's not how that works. It's a hobby. And your hobby to some... Fan fiction is a hobby for me. And for me, a hobby is something you enjoy to do. It's not something you do for others to enjoy. That's more like a job. When you're doing something to please somebody else, that's a job. So... My fan fiction writing is not a job. It's a hobby. I do it for myself. Me and me alone. So, but I did get a really awesome question on my Ask Anything page, and it is the featured question tonight on um, the topic, and AUS, which is, there's a funny little story behind that name. Anyways, I'm not sharing it. It's a secret. Uh, You said before that the original Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bomb was written when you were younger, and the current version is updated, is an updated and rewritten version. The version of Sentinels of Atlantis you've published is very different from the version that you lost in the data crash. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It doesn't hurt so much anymore. It's just like this dull stabbing in the back of of my head, and my heart hurts a little right now, but I'll get over it. You're bringing up my trauma like that. So my question is, is when you enter into these situations where you're taking stories that you've already written before and decide to rewrite them, how do you go about deciding what to let go of and what to keep and what to change? So basically, how do you approach the process of rewriting something you've already written? It's painful. I have never gone into a rewrite process that wasn't just a little painful. Um... It there's always this moment when you're thinking to yourself, no, no, I'm just going to leave it the way it is. I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to walk away from it. No. Um, but then, you know, every time you write, you grow as a writer. Every day, you're a better writer than you were the day before. I think that um, stuff I wrote eight to ten years ago 
would benefit from the, from the writer I am today. And I hope that's always the case. I hope 10 years from now I can look back on something I've written and think, oh, well, I can do that a little bit better now and, and maybe do it. Uh, I, but letting go, l- letting go of something and tearing it apart is, is very difficult. And what I did with Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond was it was one big file um, when I picked it up to look at it. And I read it through. And as I was reading, I used track changes to mark parts that um, I just marked the manuscript up. Um, basically doing an an edit of my own. Oh, this is stupid. I can't believe you wrote this. What were you thinking? That's not how that works. Um, Did you really mean to make his penis sound that big? Because that's not possible. You know, just the the comments alone, if if I publish that in a PDF, you... it would be it's really, really funny. I'm not going to do that. Um, but um I basically just looked at it from an outsider's point of view and then I took it apart. Uh and I wrote out the plot that I had, um, on index cards and I labeled them per my notes in the manuscript and then I made a copy of the file. And I put it in my work in progress folder, and I put the original in my archive folder, and so I still have the original, and I took it apart. I started hacking and deleting, and um, the original file was about 150K, and after I got finished deleting all the parts I thought were stupid, I had about 75K left. And then, of course, you know how big it is now. Um, then I started rewriting. Uh, originally, there was a whole, uh, there was um, not just one skip. Now, I, the skip meaning the age skip, like it went from Harry being rescued to Harry starting his, his uh, sixth, you know, starting as a, um, six year at Hogwarts so there was a great deal of time in between that but what I had done in the original was skip to um, there's a scene where he joins his conclave um, there's a scene I wrote out the scene originally in the, in the original draft where he goes to the book of souls um, and um, I just removed all of these things, and so they got revealed later in, in different ways. Uh, Sirius tells a story of um, 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 Harry going to the Book of Souls. Uh, the induction into his conclave is is different um, in that you don't really even know the conclave even exists until much later in the story, because... Those details, while important to Harry, weren't really important to the relationship. And I almost pulled out the epi- um, the the prologue where ha- um, Harry gets rescued. Uh, originally, I was going to start it at the train station um, on my second draft. And then I just kind of said, no, 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 I need... I need to give it a little little bit of context. Uh, There was also a scene where Harry, where you actually get to, as the reader, see the scene where um, Harry kills the basilisk in the Chamber of Secrets. I input that scene into Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, actually, as a pensive memory. 
uh, I had to rewrite it a little bit, but that was originally um, a time skip in the, in the first part. So it was like um, Harry at five, Harry at eight, Harry at ten, Harry at twelve, and then Harry at thirteen. Because I've also written the scene, or I also had written the scene where Harry um, gets rid of Voldemort. But I took that out because Voldemort really isn't important in the big scheme of things when it comes to Harry Potter and the soulmate bond. And I think what a lot of people don't get about Harry Potter and the soulmate bond is that the whole point of the story is the romance between Harry and Hermione. Uh, everything else is just little details, little subplots. They That's why there's no big, huge bad guy like somebody asked for recently in a comment. Um because that isn't important to me. That that isn't the story that I wanted to tell. There isn't a huge, huge big bad guy in uh, blank space because it was a romance novella. It was never supposed to be some action adventure or um, anything like that. It was always just going to be a little romance where Harry comes back to Britain and gets together with Hermione. That that's all it was supposed to be. And I. Some people have expectations of what a writer should do based on what they would like to see. And if I could tell um, you anything as a reader, that's ugly. That is so ugly. Don't um, You don't have the right to have those kinds of expectations. Not, well, you can have those kinds of expectations. You don't have the right to share them with writers because... It's intrusive, and it's um, you're, you're just invading their writing space with your wants and desires. And how is that appropriate? It's not. It's not remotely appropriate. So going into writing Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond in what basically becomes my third draft of of the work and what you guys are seeing on the website, I had to slash and burn what I was going to um, keep and get rid of. And I made some big decisions. I deleted several subplots. I just, you know, um, and there are a couple instances where that actually worked in my disfavor because it, uh, there was this huge subplot that I let go of that um, actually makes Ron's motivations and his continuous pursuit of Hermione a little more reasonable but I pulled it out because I really didn't like it and so the end result is is I do have scenes in there where Ron's continuing to be stubborn and because there's no subplot for him it kind of looks like he's just dumb and well he is just dumb in in my opinion Uh, but originally in the first draft of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond uh, Hermione was um the granddaughter of Hector Dagworth Granger, which I've done before in another fic. And here's the kicker. In the original version of the Harry Potter and Soulmate Bond, Ron knew this. Ron knew she was going to inherit a great deal of money and um, because his mother had told him. And so his pursuit of Hermione was basically a pursuit of her inheritance. Now, I removed that particular subplot, which took away Ron's um, motivations 
for his, uh, for, uh, for his pursuit of, of Hermione uh, because I didn't want to confuse that whole thing with with, with her being adopted into the House of Ross. So uh, that's why that's a little a little hinky. So sometimes you remove something and later you think, oh shit. But if I don't have these scenes, I can't have this conflict, and I can't have this scene, or I can't have this. If Ron doesn't continue to do this, I can't have this scene, which I think is super important. So, even though I removed the subplot of Hermione being the granddaughter of that famous potions master, I still had to have Ron's um, idiotic pursuit of her in place in order to have the scenes that I wanted to have. So it just, you know, sometimes when you're when you're going through your rough draft, you might remove something that you think you need to remove, but then you need to keep scenes that were integral to that particular subplot, and it can get kind of convoluted and irritating. Uh, I wouldn't do anything different if I had to do it over again, though, because I uh, I really had to let go of that in order to explore Hermione's adoption, which wasn't in the original version of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. Originally, Hermione becomes... Um, what did I do with that? It just fell out of my head. It literally just fell out of my head. Hermione wasn't adopted, but she did become Minerva's ward. But she wasn't adopted into the House of Ross in the original version. So, but I thought that it would actually be really interesting to explore that female dynamic between um, Hermione and Minerva and just to create that whole mother-daughter dynamic that I was going to lose with um, Hermione's... uh, parents being crazy in in that version. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit, that, that whole mother-daughter thing, and that's where that comes from. But what I approach with each book is that I go through it, I, I read through it, and I make decisions on the fly. And I make these choices, and then I go back, and I review my choices again. And sometimes I keep those choices, and sometimes I get rid of those choices. But the first thing I always do is um, I identify the parts of my book. This is the beginning, 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 beginning. Here's my middle. Here's my middle. Here's my climax. Here's my falling action. Here is my end. Why is my end here? Should my end be there? Is this the appropriate? You know, you just go through these things. And because I reorganized Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond into an episodic, uh, episodic episodes, I organized it from one book into an episode series, like a TV series. It's like my Harry Potter TV series. I had to... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, that must have been terrible. Uh, I had to um, reorganize the chapters into episodes, which means I had to do a lot of rewriting that I wouldn't normally have to do if I just kept it as a book. Because each episode is contained in a different way than a um, chapter would be. You can't call them chapters because they're not chapter would be constructed. Each one, each episode is constructed basically like a short story. Um, so, uh, there's, in a regular chapter, while you do have a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know, as as far as scene structure is concerned, you don't have, um, falling action 
you don't have a build-up in a chapter. But in each one of the episodes of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, while there is a beginning, a middle, and an end, there's also a build-up and there's also falling action. And it kind of smooths out on either side and you have the climax in the middle. And so it makes a difference depending on what you're writing. And so there was a lot of rewriting to do on, on Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. When it comes to Sentinels of Atlantis, I had written the first season and falling action. It's when after your climax of your story, um your your pace slows down in your story and you basically fall from that big huge moment action moment whether it's emotional or physical or where the world ends or where the world begins wherever it's wherever it is it falls down and it slows and it just kind of glides right into your ending and that's your falling action and i'm actually pretty terrible at it but i try really hard so anyways um the sentinels of atlantis uh was always an episode um episode constructed series and when I um when I lost it I'd already written the entire season and I lost like over half of it I honestly couldn't tell you where episodes that I lost begin now because it's been so long and I had to rewrite them all anyway um and when I sat down to rewrite it I realized I couldn't reproduce what I'd already written because number one, it was I was bored with it, and I realized that that it wasn't that great of an idea where I was originally going to go. So I revamped it. Now originally they were on Atlantis the entire time. There were no episodes on Earth, and I thought it lacked balance, um, especially since I was using SG One characters as well as um, Atlantis characters in the um, first episode. And then I just abandoned Earth completely in in the original draft of the Sentinels of Atlantis season one, and so there was nothing from Earth, and it, it just didn't make sense to me as I was coming back into it to replot and to rewrite what was happening. And so, in a lot of ways, the first edition of Sentinels of Atlantis that got lost was action driven. Um, all the episodes were very um, uh, intense. Physically, they were, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, it was wraith after wraith after wraith. And it was just, it was really um, like playing a really ramped up video game on 44 ounces of Mountain Dew. I mean, it was it was really packed. And so the second edition of Sentinels of Atlantis had more emotional depth, I think, than what I originally wrote, which is more par from my course to begin with. And so that's where I went just to do something different with my brain and with the story itself because I knew I couldn't reproduce what I had already written and what I had lost, and it was really irritating to keep trying. And so I stopped. When I come into a project for my second draft, uh, it's always, I always ask, my, I ask myself these questions. Does this make sense? Does this further the plot? Do I need this character? Do I need this scene? And, and I, I make that those choices for every single scene in the book. Do I need this? Does my plot need this? Is this important to my characters? Because if it's not, it needs to go. It's just filler. It it serves no purpose. 
uh, I've lost entire characters and stories for that. I I honestly um, don't know how Jenny Weasley survived a second draft. But that's beside the point. She's there and we have to put up with her. But it's never um, easy. It's never easy to let go of um, your work and say, oh, you know, that's actually kind of stupid. And, you know, and oftentimes I think that especially with um, new writers, you think everything you do is stupid because I do. I mean, I still do, but I not as bad as I used to be. And so you go into it. Uh, what I do recommend, I I really recommend that you, before you approach a second draft, that you set it aside for a few weeks if you possibly can. I mean, even two to three weeks can, can give you a great deal of distance on, on a project and will, will allow you to be more objective about your plot and about your characters. And if you feel like you need more time than that and you have that time to spend, do. Set it aside for six months. Set it aside and don't look at it and don't think about it. And then come back to it with really fresh eyes and ask yourself these questions. Does this serve my plot? Do I need this character? What does this character give my story? What does this scene give my characters and my plot? How does this work? How is this working? Is this a plot hole? If I take this out, will it create a plot hole three chapters from now? That's an important question to ask yourself right there because I have done that more times than I can count. Oh, I don't need this. Delete, delete. Oh, wait. I did need that. Good rule of thumb. Thumb. Shut up. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with numbers. I'm going to put that out there for you. I can't even tell you how many times me and Lady Holder were sitting there with a piece of paper in a pen on opposite sides of a phone line, um, say, okay, how many members were there? Were in the expedition? Um, you got forty-four here and two hundred here. I mean, you know, it was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. And the ages are all fucked up in what might have been. In fact, they're so fucked up that I don't even want to look at it. That's how fucked up they are. And um, it's just numbers are meaningless to me. I have. Um, uh, basically, I can't actually say the condition. I have math dyslexia, and so numbers um, just go. It they don't even look like real. They they don't even look real to me. To be to be perfectly honest, um, a lot of times I have to get my husband to redo like look at my math on stuff because I'll be like I don't even know. Yeah, but I can't say it. I I know what it is. I just can't actually say it. D Y S C-A-L-C-U-L-I-A. Um, I literally cannot say that word. Um, <clears throat> so when somebody asks me about it, I just say that I have um, math dyslexia because I can say dyslexia. I don't know why. I don't know. It's just a little thing. So everybody has their little quirks and they have their little things that they do and don't do and don't do well and they do do well. So you have to know. You can't see me right now, Lady Holder, but I just shot you a bird with both fingers. Both fingers. Both hands. 
we all have our things. And so I think it's important that um, when you uh, when you approach your second or even your third draft, and a lot of people uh, don't feel discouraged if you think you need a third draft, you know, dig in and try, try to figure it out. Um, you can look for the things that you do that you that you that you shouldn't do. Like I tend to double space when I'm thinking, so a lot of times in my manuscripts, there'll be four or five spaces between words sometimes, and I'll have to go through them and and find them because I tend to do that crazy shit. Um, and I don't always find them all. She's right; she does find them for me um, on my on my drafts, and it's really. Um, it's just a little quirk, a, a, a little finger quirk on, on my keyboard when I'm when I'm thinking, when I stop, when I pause. Uh, I have a cousin who uses dots, dot dot dot. I do that too sometimes. I'm very fond of dashes, the M dash. I'm very fond of the M dash. Uh, so you have little quirks that you have to look for when you're. Um, doing your drafts, you find them, you get rid of them, you you move on. Um, accept this about yourself and just make yourself a little checklist when you're getting ready to do your second draft or your third draft. Look for the things that you do um, aren't right so that you can correct them. It's that simple. But don't don't worry so much about these things in your first draft. You can make mistakes in your first draft. You can you can leave plot holes in your first draft because you're going to find them when you come back to it. Don't get bogged down in the details because if you get bogged down, you'll never finish your first draft and then you'll be screwed. And I don't mean that in a fun way. I'm just saying. Which one of these is Lady Holder? There's a problem. Okay. Thank you. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is is that Jilly's area code is like just like yours but it's reversed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I figured, but <clears throat> I really shouldn't uh rag on you about about the the numbers thing because it took me actually reading the whole thing from beginning to end to realize there was a problem with the numbers. And then I started having to write them down to find see? them. And I think, see? And, and I, yeah, well, I ended up fixing them, I think, in the um, the last uh, draft data that I gave you. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. I have it. Yeah. So, so somewhere in there, there is the actual fix, I think. It's so, a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Um and I figure if not, then, you know, when it rolls right back to me, eventually I'll fix it. Then. So, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I am coming up on needing to do my um, putting together of, of two ebooks for, um, and uncomplicated choice and um, slow slight of indifference. And I am really, truly not looking forward to it because I know, one, I sound like Yoda in the first couple chapters of slow slide. Um, and I just, I don't want to face it. 
but see, that's the thing. That's the awesome part about it, though, is that you wrote that yeah. a long time ago, and mm-hmm. you're a better writer today than you were then, and you see the oh, parts yeah. that you need to fix. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really great when when you get there and you go, oh, what was I thinking? Oh, oh my God, what was that? But it's also yeah. funny. It was it was horrible. Um, because I, I, I actually have most of it to, uh, at least for um, slow side of indifference. I have the whole thing together. I just have to open it up and actually take a look at it critically and go all the way through it. Um, it's it's a case of you know um, just a willingness to do that 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 critical read, um, you know. And I don't know if I'm willing yet. <laughs> Well, you don't yeah, have it's, to. You don't. You don't have to. So that's the thing. You know. You, mm-hmm. Do I have to? Yeah, I, I actually think I do in a way because I want to. Um, I want to be able to put it out and and actually have it be um, something I'm proud of in the end. So. I just kept. I'm, I'm at this point. I'm getting extraordinarily um, distracted because the husband keeps uh, every time he's home, he's he's watching James Bond. It's like he's he's getting ready for the new one. So. <laughs> Is he home tonight? Yeah, he's home tonight. He's he's in his office watching. I think it's a Roger Moore James Bond. Uh, so you know, I don't like the Roger Moore ones. No. Roger Moore, I remember enjoying the hell out of him when I was younger because, well, you know, I had Sean Connery and Roger Moore. And then I grew up and I realized that Roger Moore is creepy. (laughs) I actually was really fond of Pierce Bronson as um, James Bond. Mm -hmm. I, I did not think I would like Daniel Craig, but I adore him. I mm-hmm. think he's an awesome, flawed, um, hot, amazing oh, yeah. James Bond. Uh, I yeah, you work it, dude. You you work it like mad. It's great. I I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, um, I I think probably Skyfall is the best Bond movie I have ever seen. I love I love Skyfall. I'm. I'm waiting impatiently to find out what the music that Sam Smith did was, and that's actually next week. It comes out next Friday. And I am so incredibly tempted to wake my ass up at, you know, 12.01 to see if they've actually put it out so that way I can actually listen to that thing. Because it's it's like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> you know? So... But um, I just I didn't think Daniel Craig was going to be able to do it. I was, mm. uh, he's blonde. James Bond's not blonde, but he was in the books actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't want this. And then I went and saw Casino Royale in the theater because my mom was a huge Bond fan. And um, mm-hmm. we come out of the theater, and she was like, you know, I thought I wasn't going to like him as James Bond, but that was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what was getting me? What was what was actually getting me about um, Daniel Craig? And Barb just put in in chat that he's a model, as your comments about his duck lips. He's got both. 
Um, he is yummy, and he also does those damn duck lips all the time. Um, but actually what was getting me was he was in a Lara Croft movie. And all I could see was him in, in the shower. <laughs> yes. In the shower. That was fabulous. No, actually, it it was the whole, the acting in that movie was just, it's a great movie to watch when all you want to do is, you know, park your brain right next to the popcorn machine, make yourself some, and enjoy the, the, the pretty on the screen, you know, <laughs> especially the, the shower scene, most especially the shower scene. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I <throat> I didn't have high hopes. And then... Mm-mm. But Skyfall, mm-hmm. Skyfall cemented it for me. I was like, you know, Casino Royale was was a Bond movie. I mean, but it was just a regular Bond movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a Bond movie. He did a good job. Okay, let's move on. And then we saw Skyfall. And I saw Skyfall in the theater. Um, the first week it was out, my mom had to go. And um, mm-hmm. we're, we're in, sitting in the theater. And about halfway through it, my mom turns to me and she says, Jesus. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all she said was, Jesus. It was just really good. It wasn't good for a Bond movie. It was just a good movie. There was no cabot there. There's no, there's no, for a Bond, no. It's just, Skyfall was just an amazingly well done movie beyond the Bond concept, beyond the spy thing and the gear and the, the little toys, just beyond all of that. Um, it was just a really good movie. It did everything you wanted. It made it had the the ups and the downs and the it didn't have as much gadgetry as as a typical Bond film, but it had it had the snappy comeback comebacks and the the the, the thrilling action and and really pretty people. Um, but it actually had a storyline that held up because it didn't have you know, the gadgets and it, you know, it, it wasn't all the, all the explosions and, you know, that way it, it was great. Jilly's right. In some ways, um, Craig's, um, Craig's bomb is darker. He's is very much so dark, um, Skyfall. I'm really wondering what Spectre is going to be like. You know, that's... Oh, I can't wait for Spectre. I'm going to be in Spectre first damn day. <laughs> First damn day I'm going to be in the theater to see Spectre. I'm so looking forward to it. When you know, we I... watched Skyfall, mm-hmm. we um, when they opened the garage door and the Aston Martin was sitting there, mm-hmm. the, the entire audience went, yay! And there were claps, and it was like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last time I've had a movie experience like that was when we went to see episode three of Star Wars and by the end of episode three of Star Wars the entire audience had kind of scooted forward on their seat mm-hmm. and we were all waiting for it, right? So when it went the whole audience mm-hmm. stood up and was like arms in the air like we just won the fucking Super Bowl <laughs> because Darth Vader had been born and it was like hell yeah it that move that moment made the rest of the episode tolerable. Mm-hmm. Which can't be said for the other two. No, to be perfectly not frank. So much. But that moment alone was worth the price of admittance. Yeah. The 
one of the one of the times I remember having a um, the whole audience actually get into it and just be all sorts of happy and 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 thrilled. And boy, this both dates me and and says something about my movie choices. Um, well, then again, I was in the military and I was on a base, and there's not really much um, choice up there. Look, she's justifying herself, you guys. This is going to be great. Yeah, I'm justifying Confess myself. It. Yeah, well, confess your sins to Mama. Come there's... on. <laughs> You're not my mother. You bet you're my sister. Um, so we're in the theater. It's packed full of military members, and up on the screen is Demi Moore in GI Jane, and she tells <laughs> Master Chief, "Suck my dick," and the is whole place. Fox? It suck my dick if I remember right, and and the whole place there was there was enough of a hooya going through. <laughs> yup, we're yeah. happy. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! I saw GI Jane. Oh damn, Vigo was pretty in that. He mm-hmm. certainly was. I saw GI Jane with a bunch of girlfriends. We were all in this mm-hmm. theater and um. Charleston, North Carolina. I don't remember why we were in Charleston, but we were. We uh, were stuck overnight, and um, one of um, them was looking on uh, the motel, uh, the, the hotel thing, uh-huh. and there was some movies that was available, and the theater was across the street. And so we went across the street, and we watched G.I. Jane. We came out of that movie thinking we could kick somebody's ass. <laughs> It was, but it it was, it was, it was. Um, I really enjoyed GI Jane. I don't care. Uh, I'm not ashamed. I'm not either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you get through that thing, and it's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I thought that was great. You know, the other part of that I enjoyed, and and the guys were all kind of, why is she doing that when she shaved her head? Mm. Well, my reaction to that was. Should have done that about twenty scenes ago. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. But mm. yeah, sometimes I can I wait for a movie, and sometimes I have to be there as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And when it when it's for me as soon as possible, it's because I don't want anybody to fucking spoil it for me. Mhm. Oh. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna be there. Um, I'll take the damn day off. I don't care. Because if somebody had spoiled the ending of Skyfall for me, I would have been fucking furious. Oh, because that has so much impact. And if you haven't seen Skyfall, I'm not going to tell you. The ending had so much impact for Bond and for the series and just for um, for the audience. It was just. It was a punch in the face. What happens in the it, ending? And I uh, just—if you've not seen Skyfall and you're a Bond fan, you need to get up off your ass and go get Skyfall and watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the, it the, is the, the best thing that Bond gets, movie ever made. Mm-hmm. One of the things that gets me is um, there's the most unexpected Bond girl ever. In a lot of ways, and yet, who else could she have been? I know, right? 
So, I, oh, yeah, good times. Getting back to the rewriting thing and, and the, because we, we never stick on one topic. God, we're horrible. Um, well, I say everything I want to about that topic. That's why I put you on the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we can talk about all you, what, what you want to say. But I already answered the question from my point of view. So, mm-hmm. that's when I thought, okay, well, we can have a discussion now because um, mm-hmm. we're not going to stay on topic. <laughs> No. So no, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, um, <laughs> Our, we we can't stay on topic to save anything. <clears throat> this is the topic portion of the show. Yes, if you don't want to listen to the rest of it, you should have left about ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I. Rewriting can be really, really painful, and also sometimes, and um, I am reasonably prolific. I, I know writers who write more than me, and I know writers who write less than me. I think I'm kind of middle of the ground, to be honest, especially for someone who doesn't have a real job, um, because I've well, got no, a, a writer friend who's been writing every day, um who's never held down a nine-to-five job, so to speak, um, and she writes between five and 10,000 words a day, every single day. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comment on this. Um, so long as you're not broken, you write, you know, probably, what, two, 3,000 words a day? But, but, but between three and five, yeah. Okay. Oh, you get broken. Broken. <laughs> You get broken, all bets are off, the pain medication, you know, lubes the, 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 the mental whatevers, and the, the discretion filter between your hands and your, and your mind just kind of slips and off it goes. And then I have shit flying hands. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. And then it shows up in my email, and it's like, what? At least this way, you know, nowadays I at least have a chance of being able to get hold of you and, and, and you know, talk to CP and say, is she broken? <laughs> you disappear, and my luck, you're gonna get. Who are you, and why are you talking to me? Oh, he knows who you are. You know, I know, but he doesn't talk to me. He calls you my Arizona girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh-huh. Broken yeah. equals. It, it does actually. Both times I've broken a foot, I wrote a. Harry Potter novel with Harry and Draco as the pairing. Yes. The first one was the Serpent King, and the second one was Old Black Magic. And, um, yeah, I I wrote Birth of the Serpent King in about, it wasn't long at all, um, two to no, three weeks. No, it was a month. Yeah, if that. Yeah. But the yeah, Old Black Magic, I wrote that in a week. Uh-huh. I am, I'm actually hoping, not that you break something, but that you write more. Um, of the the Harry and Draco because that's actually my favorite one. You know? <laughs> Did you hear that little bit, that teeny teeny bit of reader entitlement in there? Oh no, she's I allowed. Know I have it. She's allowed I because ha- she's my partner I- in crime Shit. and in beta, and so she's allowed to have a little bit of entitlement. I also know the rest that, of you, you are know, not. 
know that I don't ask most of the time. I just sit there and it's like, okay, next. I just don't want I, you to break anything. I do have some Harry and Draco ideas, but the problem is, and the, the problem became that I got really irritated with, um, uh, certain aspects of the fandom and female characters and how they're treated and that that whole Mary Sue concept which Julie mm-hmm. and I have explored in depth in the past. Yeah. And I just um I got really irritated and then I found all my old Harry and Hermione fic and got really super inspired. So that's what's coming out right now. But I do have um a couple it's also of where Harry- your Bella stuff came from. Right, it is. Uh, I got really pissed off that there were no female characters in The Hobbit. I mean, you know, we get some in the movies, but they're not actually in the books, mm-hmm. you know. The book. The book. Oh. The book is entirely male. They they mention some female characters, but there are no females on scene in any single scene in The Hobbit book. And it annoyed the fuck out of me. So I was like, fuck it, Bilbo's a girl. And I will, and I promise, I don't promise this actually, but I don't foresee myself anytime in the next 20 years riding Bilbo as a girl, a, a boy. boy. Bella. Yeah. It's Bella. Through the end of time, uh-huh. people. I just don't see me riding a male hobbit fic. I, I can't I, I really don't. at this point. I got and, so and fucking irritated. Yeah. I'm not and, sorry. And I can tell, I'm not sorry either, but I can tell exactly how irritated you are by how snarky you are in, in the fix. You know, and, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and like, I... Don't... <laughs> that one spirit born where Bella's all in Thorin's uh-huh. face about her agency, it, that's just like, I don't, that's just exactly how I feel about it. That's just exactly how Actually, I feel. Actually... Actually, the one that was getting me was was when you called uh, himself Sourpuss. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, Air, um the shield maiden of Erebor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I sat there, I'm reading along, everything's great, and I like I read that, and it's like back it up. <laughs> what the hell did I just read? <laughs> and it's like really. I'm gonna tell oh, you all a secret about Sourpuss. That actually came into that fic because I could not remember his name when I was writing that <laughs> and I didn't want to scroll back up and look. And um, I often confuse Sauron and Sauron and like when I'm writing them, so I have to go back and check to make sure I'm not using the wrong name. Because could, could he not have made their names just a little bit more different? Excuse me. Remember, we've got... Ori, Dory, and Nori. We've got Keely and um, Keely. It just Dwalin and Balin. And did, did he um, just throw dice? I mean, anyway. Uh, honestly, I think so. I think he he. Well, no, actually, what he did was he he stole wholesale from other um other stories because they're literally. I think it's um I it's on the the damn behind the scenes, but there's a Icelandic saga or something that he stole the the names from. And yeah, so I but stuck still, Sourpuss you know. in there, and then I got really tickled, so I left it. Mhm. You know, sometimes kind of like when you're writing and you can't figure out how to spell a word, and you can't 
and you don't want to look it up, so you just use a different word that means the same thing because you can spell that oh, one. Oh, That's exactly what yeah. happened in that scene, but it was sourpuss. Mm-hmm. Done that before. Sat there with, with my pen or, or, you know, what the hell? I know I know the word I want. I've actually typed in um, the homonyms <laughs> to find the actual word. It, 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 <laughs> you know, I need big. vibrate. No, big. that's rhythm. It was like, big. Fuck. Yes. It's huge. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, how's that happens? So sourpuss was actually just a, a small bit of laziness for me that, that ended up being amusing, so I kept it. Mm-hmm. Well, I also like how snarky um, um, Galadriel is in that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think she just yeah. needed a partner in crime, so I gave her. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Someone so mentioned earlier um, that um, they didn't read my HP fic until I mentioned writing the Phoenix, um, which I'm writing for my niece, and I'm actually, there's about 40 more K written, and it's currently available on the site, so I'm getting pretty woo-hoo. close to um, uh, the uh, second task. So, oh, you, I, so, so I, I, I should be getting an email soon? Fire. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm going to push it all the way through to the um, to the graveyard scene. Um, I actually hate the Goblet of Fire. It's like my least favorite book out of all the books. And so when she asked me for a Goblet of Fire fanfic, I was like, Oh God, did it have to be that book? I hate that book. I hate it. Um, and so <laughs> it's slow going. It's slow going. Um. And, of course, I had talked to her about some of her plot points because they were dumb. Um, but I didn't use that word because she's young, and I don't want to discourage her creativity. You do realize, I uh, hope this thing doesn't stick around on the web for the next ten years. Mm. Oh, she knows. Mm. Okay. okay. My, um, they aren't my... Uh, sister's kids um some of them are aware of she is aware of my pen name and in fandom it happened by accident because i was over at my sister's house and i had my laptop up and she saw me updating my website and she's actually a very smart kid and she figured it out and i told her that she wasn't allowed to go um on the site and um she agreed And um, she doesn't come to my fan fiction site, um, but she did ask me to write her a story, and that's how it all got started. So, okay. But she asked me, she says, "Can I come read it when I'm 18?" And I said, "No." I said, "And if you do, don't tell me, because I don't want to know. If you're oh, reading my porn, yeah. I don't want to know." <laughs> oh yeah. I had um, I talked to to one of my coworkers today, and I had. The print, I actually printed a copy of my first book, and I had it in my hand because um, my boss had bought it, but due to problems, she wasn't able to read it. I let her borrow it, and she actually managed to figure out the problem, so she handed it back. So I got it back today, and I'm, I'm you know, bringing it home, and my coworker looked at it, and he goes, is that a copy of your book? It's like, yeah, because at least for this, I didn't really hide anything. I was too happy the day I got all the the the, the notifications, and um, he goes, "So there's two guys on the front of that thing." It's like, yeah. 
and a girl. I said, yeah. Really? He said, yeah. She gets them and they get each other too. And he goes, oh, I'm going to go look at this. And he takes note of my pen name and off he goes. So <laughs> I don't... It's like, okay, you have fun doing that, buddy. We'll see how how much you like that. Yeah, you know, I've I've probably got half dozen or more people in the office who know my pen name who've bought it. So yeah, I don't care that one. I just it doesn't bother me. I've had people. I've got a um, T-shirt that um, the husband got me that says my superpower is I'm a writer. And I've I've worn that shirt out, and I've had people look at me and say, "So, what do you write?" And I look at them, and I just, you know, lesson learned from from you. Um, I write erotica. Oh, okay. <laughs> they run. I don't have to deal with you. So, <laughs> yeah, works for me. My mom, on the other hand, was was there the last time um, this question got asked and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. It's like, yeah, I think it's funny, too. So. I'm sitting at my desk chair. It's all nice and comfortable. And... One of my cats decided that my lap absolutely must have a cat in it. <sighs> Let's see. What are some of the other questions that are floating around your Ask Me Anything question, um, thing? Well, if I put them on there, then I have to go edit my shit and, you know. And then I won't have anything to do with my little Aww. short and junks. Come on now. How many short and junks have you got lots of questions I'm betting. No, I only have like five or six left. Oh, God. Either that or we just start pulling the the chat room again. You know, we've done that before. Um, Or, um, you know, we can also do the... um, I want to go back to Jeep 10 telling me that he's never read anybody. He, she, he... They. They haven't read any HP. She. She. Girl... What's wrong with you? Why haven't you read any HP fic? <laughs> okay, really? <laughs> I'm glad I took your cherry on this subject. I'm always um I'm always game to bust the cherry <laughs> wide open. Just let you guys know that. I I have inducted many people into many fandoms in this manner. Um so I'm very mm-hmm. I'm very honored to have been your first. Um do you need recommendations? Because we can make some recommendations if you needed some recommendations to to explore the Harry Potter fandom now that you've been introduced. Jesus. Uh, you bullied Barbara into reading Harry Potter? I, you know, talked about it and, and gushed about it. And Look at no all these cherries I popped. Look at all these cherries uh-huh. I popped. I was all just I was all gushy, you know. There is a person in the chat room whose name is I adore Spike. I want you to know that I always call you Isidore in my head and I don't know why. 
So you're so you're like Isidore to me. Uh, it's just like this quirk I got in it's my head like that the first time. Probably, but the first time I saw your name, I, I guess I missaw it, and so now all I see when I see you is Isidore instead of Idor Spike. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yes, Barb is right. I am pushy, but you know, I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 you know, humming right along at at you know the 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 birth of the serpent king and and you know um all that and it's it's just lovely and I enjoy the hell out of um the way you write any interaction between you know Draco and and Harry when when Draco is not a complete asshat. What and, I really enjoyed about Birth of the Serpent King is um, that uh, that Harry um, goes through this this mental metamorphosis uh, mm-hmm. where uh, he comes to terms with um, a lot of things at once and um, his views on uh, light and dark and good and bad and he has to mm-hmm. think about and acknowledge that mm-hmm. even though Lucius was not a good man by anybody's definition, that in no. the end of his life, at the in the last moments of his life, he made the ultimate sacrifice for Harry, just like Lily Potter did. Mm-hmm. So it is a mirror sacrifice. He has put himself between Harry and the Dark Lord, just like his mother did. And this is someone who is the exact opposite of of Lily in every single way that is possible. So, and there was never that, any expectation. No, no, um, Luci- You know, and so there was like this. Ex- exploring that was awesome. I I really in, in enjoyed ex- exploring that dynamic in Harry, and um, one of my favorite scenes in Birth of the Serpent King. It's it's actually a really odd one. It's it's not something that um, has any huge... Well, it's a moment, because the other part of the scene has a huge impact on the whole story. But it's the, it's the moment where Draco is in the library, and he's finding books for Hermione, and Harry mm-hmm. comes up behind him, and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cages him in. And mm-hmm. I really love that moment. It's, it's intimate, and um, it's confident. He's He's confident of his attraction to Draco, and he's confident of his um, his welcome too. His welcome, yes. He's he's confident that this, that this approach is is going to be accepted, and I really like that confidence mm-hmm. in Harry. And that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm writing Harry is to inject some some earned confidence into him to um, to give him some agency that he does not have in the books. Mm-mm. The the thing I I think I enjoy about um, the thing with Harry and and Draco is they are opposite sides of a coin, even down to looks. Okay. Yeah. And you know you you get the two of them and they're sitting there and um, I think it was was it Birth of the Serpent King? No. It, um, it was um, War Mages, where um, of the two of them, people look at Harry and say, "Well, you're the lighter wizard. You're the the one who is, you know, this this shining beacon of of whatever." And yet, of the two of them, Draco it has the the cleaner aura. 
Well, in War right. Mages, in War Mages, when they go back in time, Draco mm-hmm. is more magically pure than Harry because Harry's been hit by a dark curse, and mm-hmm. he still has the taint of Voldemort's um, Horcrux on his scar. He's going to be he's tainted mm-hmm. because of Voldemort, and Draco has not been marked. And he's mm-hmm. um, experienced very little dark magic. He's had his father fire an unforgivable at him once, but um, it didn't impact his aura the way um, Harry's was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really important to to do that and to create that um, that dynamic between them. Where um, mm-hmm. and there's an interesting moment. I did a little bit of foreshadowing, and I'm going to share it with you guys if you um, didn't quite catch it. There is, um, early on in the series, you find out that Merlin was an Archmagus and he had a partner. Uh-huh. And the assumption is that his partner was Arthur. Uh-huh. When Terry Boot kidnaps Harry and Draco is tearing down those wards, someone uh-huh. says Merlin, like just as a curse or an exclam- uh-huh. a- a- exclamation, and Draco says, not. Yes. Um, so that's kind of, it's, I just told you. In the story that Draco is the reincarnation of King Arthur. And I don't know Uh how many people actually got that when it first came out. And I kept waiting for people to comment on it, and no one ever really did. And Because I foreshadowed it in the beginning by saying, talking about Mm -hmm. Merlin and Arthur. And then in that Mm -hmm. scene, when when Draco, not quite, (laughs) he's telling you who he is. Mm -hmm. And and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, he's he's telling them who he is. So. But you're so invested in what he's doing that 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 whole revelation is is buried, you know. And it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if somebody's sitting there picking it later, going, "Ah, uh, shit." <laughs> um, I did get some comments for it, but I I I never approved them. Um, and I usually tell mm-hmm. them. I'll comment to the to the person in private and email, hey, dude, you're totally right, mm-hmm. but that's a spoiler. So I'll stop doing that since mm-hmm. I just spoiled it myself. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I, so sometimes you inject little things in your work, and when someone gets it, it's mm-hmm. really awesome, and that's one of the little things. In, um, I think I actually, I think I pretty much got that because I wrote that one, you know, uh, rough trade of mine where, right. you know, and it's <laughs> – Poor Draco, and you know he's he's, you know, I don't, you know, what the fuck, I am not going to be you done. <laughs> I know you did actually, this shit because I didn't do it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's actually a case of I'm going to be dead. He's going to kill me. Shit. Thank you. But you know. Yes. Um. In, in Birth of the Serpent King, I I think that um, the biggest spoiler I have for Birth of the Serpent King is actually the title. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's talking about Harry's birth, um, rebirth, mm-hmm. basically, as a parcel mouth. Um, but what a lot of people haven't commented on is the fact that his animagus form is just a regular snake. Yeah. Except, except he's not because I titled the fic The Birth of the Serpent King. 
And the king of serpents is the basilisk. He's a basilisk. Yeah. Well, that's that's some interesting foreshadowing. Yeah, and the thing is, is they assume it, what it is, is because Harry's not magically mature in Birth of the Serpent King. He's still maturing, so he's actually mm-hmm. like an infant basilisk, and they don't know it. Well, wait a second. Now, how did he not kill anybody then? He would have to do that on purpose. Aha. Okay. That'll come up so soon. Unlike a, um, but yeah, unlike so a, when, unlike a when, real one, he, he has the discretion of, of the killing glare? Um, I I think even the real one has the discretion of the killing glare. Okay. They just don't choose to have any discretion. Of course not. Well, then again. But but um, it comes down to um, him going through his magical matura- maturation and them realizing mm-hmm. that he's actually a basilisk and, and not... Um, a simple boa constrictor, like they think, yeah. And so, <clears throat> I'm, I'm wondering if well. it would be if he has multiple snake shapes because I had that plotted too. Um, whether he was an infant basilisk or if that was just his first form and not his only form, um, which might work better for my plot if I do it that way. But either way, so he, um, he is the serpent he, king. And the king of serpents mm-hmm. is a basilisk. And so, you know, but um, that's the biggest spoiler in the whole thing. And practically no one no one caught it or commented on it. If they caught it, no one commented on it. So so no, no secret comments in the background that I didn't approve. No one even guessed. Mm-mm. No, I don't think we did. <laughs> hmm. But it's kind of fun to sneak stuff like that in, you know, to sneak a little Mm -hmm. things like that in. Like when um, I revealed that Jimmy in what might have been was actually Jack's clone, uh, a Mm -hmm. lot of people had already guessed based on events that that had taken place in the story and the foreshadowing. Um, But then other people were completely surprised. But I had to edit a lot of comments on what might have been because people were guessing left, right, and center about who the clone was. <clears throat> I am actually looking forward to, and it's, it says interesting things about my psyche, but I'm, in, I'm really looking forward to when Jimmy shows up in Sentinels of Atlantis. It's going to be really, really bitter. It's um, because he, he is Jack. He, mm-hmm. He's Jack. And so um, he's going to come back to Colorado and he's going to see a version of himself with a guide and a family and a, a little boy calling him grandpa. And it's it's going to be mm-hmm. really, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be bitter for Jimmy. And... Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to use um, Nathan O'Neill or if I'm going to use the Jimmy identity. Um, I'm on the fence about that for Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, wait, did I just spoil something for somebody? In um, uh, <laughs> what might have been, or is that a ring of fire when I actually introduced that? Oh my God, that's in Ring of Fire. That's in the sequel. That's okay. Right? I think it's so, uh, Sorry, dude. No. Oh, well. Uh, I think so. I think it's in the oh, first well. episode of, the se- of, of Ring of Fire. 
Anyways, well, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy is clone. Um, so I'm. I haven't plotted in Sentinels of Atlantis that um, the clone will be Nathan O'Neill, but I'm on the fence because I like Jimmy as a character. Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm sorry. But um, I really uh, like the idea of exploring um, a character, the cl- the clone character who's more closely associated with Jack. Um, where the memories One aren't so muted and he has to deal with mm-hmm. um, the loss that he experienced, the loss of his career, the loss of his team, the loss um, of the son that's not really his. And just, you know, just over and over again, these pounding, pounding losses. And then for him to come online as a sentinel, because mm. he, um, he yeah. was impacted by the event, that's why he comes to Colorado, because he doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do help so he figures assumes that Jack's come online as well well Jack's been online for a while by this point and he has a guide mm-hmm. and um, Nathan is really really attracted to Patrick for the same reasons that Jack was right and Patrick is you know that's really confusing right because here's my sentinel mm-hmm. and here is a copy of my sentinel <laughs> yes that's kind of difficult emotionally and so going into that I think it's better to have him be Nathan than to have him be Jimmy because if he's Jimmy and he's had that surgery and he's had that mental work done by Thor Mm -hmm. he's not quite as um much of a problem as Nathan will be and I like the idea of exploring that and um of course it will be really easy to say okay you know what dude I think maybe you need to go to Atlantis because I'm not sure there's room enough on earth for both of us You know, so it would be a good way to get Nathan onto Atlantis, um, mm-hmm. where his guide will be. Because I, um, yes. I definitely you ship did. my Nathan, my Nathan and Ian, or Ian and Jimmy, Ian and the clone. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I'm all about yeah. that. <laughs> I'm all about yeah, Ian because, and the clone. Oh, I, I'm actually looking forward to that one too because. <laughs> That one is going to be a um, an interesting conversation. Well, I think um, Nathan, by the time he gets to Atlantis, everyone's going to know he's Jack's clone. See, Jimmy was a secret, okay. but I don't know that Nathan would be. Um, because, number one, he's going to look like a very young Jack O'Neill. And everybody's going, mm-hmm. oh, there's, oh, there's his clone. Oh, there's his clone. And so by the time he gets to Atlantis, everybody's going to know that that, that conversation mm-hmm. won't have to take place because it'll always be it'll, it'll be right there in your face. Um, there you are. Wow. Mm-hmm. Then the inevitable but they- wait. So Jack was always hot. <laughs> this wasn't oh. a silver fox thing. <laughs> God. MacGyver, MacGyver um, pictures. Oh, he's always hot. Um, yeah. yeah. So I actually had cast Chase Crawford um, to play Nathan in Sentinels in um, in Lantian Legacy, I believe. So I kind of like that casting as um, the young O'Neill, Chase mm-hmm. Crawford. And so, yeah, but um, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Nathan. I think it'll be more interesting if it's Nathan O'Neill, and um, I can explore that whole dynamic of cloning and um, what it means and um, 
the emotional impact of it and just, you know, I think it would be really interesting. So I'm looking forward to it. The only thing about Chase is apparently he's, nat- he's got naturally blue eyes. I don't care. I know. What color eyes does um, Richard Anderson have? Brown. 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 Very brown. That's yeah, Chase. Chase Crawford is beautiful. Look at him. Oh, he's yeah. So pretty. <laughs> he is so pretty. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to disagree on that one. Oh, RDJ. Damn. <laughs> um, so, but yeah. See. There's a young one, MacGyver era. Huh. <laughs> you, can't, you can't even get mad to mullet. <laughs> it's just so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, see. so you know, it's it, it's interesting to kind of play with and you know try to figure mm-hmm. out where I'm going to go. I have it all plotted out, but sometimes um, replotting um, helps your creative juices flow a little better. You know, you get more excited about an idea if you can approach it from a different angle and you know just think about there, it a little. There's also there's also the fun part of you know um, occasionally doing stuff like this where she and I start talking and. You know, what happens if you do this? And then or, we plot and, book five. <laughs> fuck, we haven't even gotten book two. Anyhow, um, <laughs> there's that fucking black hole. Oh, um, I'm going to yeah. skip it. I'm going to skip book two. I'm going to go back to my original right. plan. And book three is um, going to be book two again. And I'm going to have to rewrite it because Daniel fucking Jackson isn't where he's supposed to be. But that's I okay. I you. I have a plan. That's why we... Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Shut your pie hole. (laughs) I don't like pie most of the time. Cake hole, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. You know? I'm mad at that mullet. I'm not mad at the other mullet, but that mullet I'm a little mad at. Um... But I think that uh, replotting, rewriting, um, it mm-hmm. can be uh, uh, exciting, or it mm-hmm. can be really sad and hurtful. I would say to you, if it makes you upset, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, if it's, if it's going to be upsetting and hurt your feelings, don't do it. Set it aside for a while and and see what you can do, and um, don't worry about it a little bit, and then just try. Mm-hmm. Um, there or not. There's the fun part of every once in a while, you know, when when you go and you do um, brainstorming with somebody and they look at one of your major points and go, I hate to tell you this, but I can fly a teltac through that particular plot hole there, you know, and have the person on the, the other end of the line get all huffy with you. And I'm mimically stabbing myself in the forehead. But yeah. I don't want to do that. You know, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 not. Oh yeah, um, uh, Kisher thirty two just said, "Have you ever started to replot and then realized you have two stories?" Yeah, I can do one better. Yeah. I wrote a book once that turned out to be two stories. <laughs> I did. I wrote a book 
And I was like, oh, fuck me. That's two different books. I wrote two different books in the same book. And I'd already sent it to my agent. And I called my agent. And I'm like, so, dude, um, that thing I just sent you, she said, yeah, that thing you sent me 10 hours ago, I've already read it. I was like, oh, fuck, God damn it. And she said, did you know? I said, yes, I know. It's two books. I don't know what I was thinking. And she sort of laughed. And she said, that's my third draft. That is my third draft. And I just realized that it's two books. And she was like, you need a massage. <laughs> you need a spa day. <laughs> and she actually uh-huh. sent me on one. She called um, a local spa and bought me a day. And I went to the spa. I got a massage and a facial. And then I had to come back and split that book up into two books and uh-huh. then write two books because they weren't complete books by themselves. But they weren't one book together. It was, oh, it was terrible. By the way, this particular picture that I'm I'm putting up, I didn't realize at first that he has a set of sunglasses in his hands. I thought it was something else. I'm clicking on it. I was kind of Oh, I hello. Kind of I thought that was a Are you sure that's not a dildo? <laughs> actually, I was thinking it was a rip in the in the jeans. Um, it's not. It's actually a set of sunglasses. I was thinking about under his hand. That too. Here's a thought. What is that under his hand? Is it his belt, maybe? Uh, I think so. That's practically pornographic, Richard. What's wrong with you? Oh. <laughs> He's even got a little O face going on. I don't know. I'm not looking how I feel about it. That's completely uh, actually, Yeah, this is My actually what I think belt. of. This is what I think of when I think of Nate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go on record right now and say I am not on board with the Stargate reboot. Oh, God, that thing. I'm not on board with it. Mm -mm. Does Uh -uh. nothing for me. Nope. 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 Nope, nope, nope. When do we not talk about sex? Azure says, darn it, Mom was right. We are talking about sex, to the surprise of no one. To the surprise of no one. Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, I think the... the 20 minutes ago, I was discussing popping cherries. What do you think that was about? (laughs) Oh, God. I'm so glad my my, um, (laughs) laptop or my desktop is on mute. Um... Yes, they are rebooting the movie franchise for Stargate, uh, which is going to make basically SG-1 and Atlantis and Universe non-canon. You can't see my face right now, but I am sending two bird fingers to MGM. Mm Yeah, I'm I'm not a real big fan of this whole thing because I actually read the second book in the the, the from the movie franchise and it was wretched. The term uh-huh. you're looking for is wretched. My husband has the Stargate books on um audiobook. I hate audiobooks. And um he oh it is terrible. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. Yep. It's full of slavery and and earth is evil and it, 
Mm-hmm. And Charé is a bitch, and it's just... That's horrific. It really it is. is. It's ugly. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. Very much Earth so. the people from Abydos, the slave labor? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate audiobooks. I hate them. My husband listens to them all the time, and I absolutely hate them. I hate them because we used to share office space, and he would listen to them. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to write while somebody is reading out loud? Yeah. Just imagine an audiobook that does not end in the background of your writing space. Yeah, by the way, I bought noise headphones just to escape it. Good luck on that one. By the way, did you like our theme song that I put up? Yeah. It does bring back (laughs) some, 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 some. Drunk times. I w- I might have been drunk a lot to that song. The only time I ever really enjoyed audiobooks is when I was um, in college and I would drive back and forth to, from school to home and I would get audiobooks from the library. And I listened to a whole bunch of um, audiobooks that way, but it was always non- nonfiction books. Mm-hmm. I never really wanted to um, listen to, to fiction of any kind while I was driving. So it was always like nonfiction. Um, uh, I I loved the John Douglas books on audio. I love them. He's a FBI. He's a former FBI agent, and it's really good stuff. Um, I have um, Bose noise canceling headphones, and I highly recommend them. I didn't actually buy them myself. I, that was a lie earlier. Um, my husband bought them for me, um, and um, to kind of make up for his behavior with the audio books because I hadn't, I had not written in like four weeks. I could not write. And um, finally I told him why it helped. Mm-hmm. Bose, B-O-S-E, Bose. They I... are, uh, they're not cheap. Uh-uh, not hardly. Um, the noise canceling version that I've got, it's the Quiet Comfort 2, they were $300. Mm-hmm. I don't have that one. What I have is, is um, the husband in a, another room, and he's watching movies. And so the movies I don't mind because most of the time when I hear it, what I'm hearing is the music from um, from Bond. Um, so that's, that's, for the most part, that's okay. What I really mind is the day he starts watching his TV shows and, you know, there's, what did he watch from beginning to end? He watched all the CSIs. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> that must have been like eight solid weeks. How long More, did that take? Um, I mean, the original CSI has been on TV for 15 years. I know that. And it's about 20 episodes per season. And there's CSI, CSI New York, CSI Miami. And by the way, there's also NCIS that he's watched beginning to end, NCIS LA, NCIS Cyber, 
Um, I think he's watched Hawaii Five-0. I'm not 100% certain, but he's also gone back and watched. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of shows that he's watched. Oh, Battlestar Galactica, beginning to end. Um, My husband's currently watching SG One. Oh yeah, he's done that too, at least twice. He's in, in the last couple of years. Four, I believe, right now. Season four is kind of I, I wanted to to slowly start beating Jack to death in four and five. Actually, no, four was mostly the one I wanted to beat him to death with a shovel. Five, I just wanted to you know drag him to the gills and put him somewhere so he could you know have an I love me jacket. Yeah, it was um, no five was five, six was the one where Jack, where Daniel was dead, right? Um, I Whatever. think he died. Not remember. Not remember. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to go look. When but I passed through the man cave, he was watching the Ergo episode. Oh, Ergo. Ergo. That was disturbing. Yes. The one that actually. The only one I um, hate more than Ergo is the Nanite one with the kid. Mm. Because they must have played it 25,000 billion times. Uh huh. The, anyway, the one actually that I hate, the, or actually I enjoy the most, just because um, it was it was actually what got me hooked back into to Stargate was the one where they're on that ice world and they have their memories wiped. Do you remember? And they're that like one? in the they're in the cave working. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah, that one is favorite SG one episode. Oh, Window of Opportunity is fun, by the way. I like that one, but I like the one where Jack and Sam are in the ice cave. Oh, that one, yeah. By the way, um it's beneath the surface is the one that I liked. And Part of the reason I think I like that one with with um, Sam and, and Jack is because um, Daniel looks at, at um, Teal'c and goes, what happens if you dial your own phone number? And Teal'c just gives him this, huh? Wrong person. <laughs> he turns and he looks at somebody else and asks. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's one of those really good um, stories. Okay, 1969 is fun too. I'm actually wondering. Um, I hate that one. Why? Oh, it's great. Oh, I I'm just... actually one. Well, they didn't look them up later. That kind of peeved me. Solitudes. Hmm. One where where they're they're in Antarctica. Oh. <sighs> First two, first two or three seasons were really good. Then they started getting a little bit bizarre. He's also watching V. He has the original series from the eighties. Oh God, that one freaks oh, me and out. And the movies and the new series. He has that one too. Um, v is freaky. I'm kind of looking forward to January because that's always when he watches Babylon 5. 
He has all five seasons of Babylon 5 plus the movies. Uh huh. Of course, you know we're in football season, so when he's not watching oh, football, well, he's watching he's he's cycling through his old TV shows. You know, Netflix I used to is think the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I used to think my mother was actually, you know, one of the the sane people because, like me, she wasn't real wild about football, and and then she retired, and all of a sudden she loves this stuff, and it's like really. Oh. Yeah. Um, Boy, Jack O'Neill got busy in 1969 because there's also a a, a fic out there where uh, he's John Shepard's father. That was an interesting one. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, there's there's a um, I there's a lot of different things that 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 they could do. I mean, um, you know, uh, the two. Two people instead of Jack or, or Daniel, you know, getting busy um, with them. You know, their kid grew up and actually became part of, you know, the the, uh, the SGC and and you know, told stories about it. <laughs> you know, completely and utterly wigged out everybody. Yeah. Oh. Let's see. Um, TV characters who become people's parents. I've read one where um, Ilya is Ducky is the parent to Tony. And that I read a really about. awesome where either Starsky or Hutch, I believe it might have been Starsky, mm-hmm. was Blair's dad. Read that one too. Um. <laughs> uh, Julie's asking me which one it is. I actually would have to. Go I find think that Candy thing Apple it's wrote it. I, it. It's Candy yeah. Apple. Yeah, Candy Apple wrote that. Um, Starsky and Hutch and Sentinel crossover. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's Starsky is, whichever one wants the dark-headed one, he is Blair's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read the one where Jack O'Neill is Blair's dad. Actually, I've read a couple of them where he's Blair's dad. Um, there's one where he had no clue. There's one where he knew and Sarah wasn't real happy with it and um, uh, Blair's mom basically poisoned that particular well again and and they didn't talk for a long time and shit happened and and Blair went um, to talk to his dad about something and he hadn't he didn't know about Charlie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the story one. where um, Starsky and Hutch and uh, uh, the Sentinel meet is called the Outside Influence and or Outside Influences, and um, there are a couple stories attached to it. Outside Influences, Dad's Day, Family Matters, a primary subject. It's a series. Um, 
one called Rituals. I'm going to put a link up here on um, the chat room, and I'll also put a link in um, mm-hmm. in the podcast info for those of you who are on the podcast and you're interested in it. Mm-hmm. There, I don't like Tony's dad. They sanitized um, Anthony Dinozo Sr., um, didn't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, in the past, it was like he was a really terrible person. But when they introduced him because of the – I think it's because of the actor they picked, um, which Mm -hmm. was excellent casting because him and um, Michael Weatherly Mm -hmm. resembled greatly. Um, I wouldn't – I would not have been surprised if it had come out that he – that Michael Weatherly was his love child. Um, (laughs) uh I would that would not have surprised me at all, but uh, it uh, I think because of the actor they picked, they kind of made him less evil and more just I don't know they 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 really sanitized his character a lot. They don't bring up mm-hmm. that thing about him leaving Tony in that hotel anymore. It's um the there's the leaving of leaving the kid in the hotel room. I think he mentioned something about um he cut up his dad's uh snowsuit for a Halloween costume or something and got got a reaction from that. There's this, a lot of stuff that he that was that was said in the years with Kate, right? You know, just like um, totally yeah. disappeared. Mm-hmm. Completely. And that's, um, yeah, yeah. There, there's. Oh, yeah. I'm not real happy with Senior. Um, and any time that you know he. There's a lot of good stories where he's, you know, you know, um, dealt with, you know, either as, you know, uh, Tony makes peace or whatever. But, you know, it's um, it's just not cool. There's, hmm. Okay. Well, we just got the thank you, Willow, for putting up a uh, story. Yeah, the one where Rossi is um, Tony's dad. You guys are... I'm going to have to put myself on hold for a second because um, Cisco's in the house and something's bothering him. Um, So just talk away. Okay, talking, talking. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk about, and and I guess um, it it comes up partially because of how we all, or at least a good good number of us, react to um, Tony Donozo is that um we all we we like him we we enjoy him we think he is um you know a a a fairly decent guy who you know gets a really bad shake 
And um, you know, I'm I'm wondering out of all of the out of all the NCAS guys, I mean, yeah, we, we like him because he's um he's smooth and he's pretty. Um and, you know, he's he's un, as as Azure says, he's underappreciated in canon. He's incredibly underappreciated in canon. Um but there's also a you know, um it, I don't know, is it because he is underappreciated or is it because he is just absolutely brilliant and yet um we we rarely get to see his actual brilliance. Um Jilly comments there are moments of startling vulnerability that are underdeveloped and underappreciated. Um he is to me he's just he's very, very smart. And you know, the the fact that of of all of, of um Gibbs's people, Tony is probably the the most well rounded at least as far as investigative skills. Um that says something to me. McGee is an asshat. He's smart. He's got a degree from MIT. That's great. But he 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 harps on that degree, or at least he did when I when I was still watching the show. You know that that degree is his excuse for for being you know I'm smarter than you know. Um, Yeah, sure. I don't know if I mangled your name right, but um, part she says part of that is the actor. He shows us one thing, but the other characters see something else. Um, I don't want to see the end result of it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked McGee kind of okay in the first couple seasons. First, you know, when when Kate was there, you know, but. I disliked him from the moment he made that face when he found out what Tony's degree was in. When he Tony when he, he totally dismissed Tony intellectually, I lost all interest in even liking his character. Then there's that whole thing the, with dead air. Mhm. I yeah. Don't forgive betrayal, and that was a betrayal. That's my biggest problem with Ron Weasley. He's not loyal. And not I find disloyalty really super unattractive. The the thing with with dead air, and and the thing that gets me um, I. Literally don't know how as a cop, okay, not as an agent, but as a cop, Tony would have been willing to step back out onto the streets with those two. Okay. Um, it's just bad writing. And Oh, very much so. You know, it, there, there's just, there's absolutely no way. 
And it's so stupid. How could they have possibly thought, those writers, could they have possibly thought that that would be funny? Because it was written to be humorous. I take not. credit, not blame. Please remember that. Mm-hmm. Jilly says, I'm writing one where he can't go back into the field with them. I'm in that field part. He wants. He, he opens a bakery instead. It's Kira's fault. Credit, no blame. Credit. Mm-hmm. Oh, cake videos. You don't know this. You might not know this. I'm not sure we've ever discussed it on the radio show. Well, yeah. Late at night when I can't sleep and Jilly's online, sometimes we watch cake videos. I mean, the videos on YouTube where bitches are like decorating cakes. One night, we watched this dude make a Tiffany cake. It took two hours. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> we watched cake really decorating crazy. videos for hours at a time. We watched this one chick from Australia. I know for six hours one night. I, I got no excuse. I, I wake. I go to sleep. There's no. Con, there, there's no. You know, movement in in the um, um, monitor chat rooms. I wake up. There's 300 messages, and some of them Six are. Did you see that? Buttercream piping. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's horrifying. It's like I I I, I can't do this. Scroll. Okay, there's a there's a, um, a link here. It's to cake. Scroll. <laughs> and more cake. And more cake. And more cake. Yeah. I do yeah. only tweet the short ones. I do. I do tweet. But see, it's not actually me tweeting. If I hit, like, like on um, YouTube because it's all connected, it will, like, mm-hmm. tweet. Carol likes this video on YouTube. Uh-huh. Bitches are all in my business. I can't even do things on YouTube. Like It's like big brothers watching me. Sometimes I don't click like on something just because I don't want it to show up on my Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's, there's there's a couple things I put up. You know, um, there's um, one thing I put up real recently on my page. It was uh, Benedict Cumberbatch reading a thing from Shakespeare. And he's got a great voice. Oh, lovely voice. I don't even like Shakespeare. Yeah, I don't and even like you. I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to that man read this one thing from Shakespeare, and it's 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 the BBC put it together, and I don't care. Just let me listen to this voice. Just say these words, and anybody got a phone book? Read this, please. Please read it all. Read it all. Read it all. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. I'll I'll enjoy the hell out of it. Um oh. Yeah, Ancestor comments she says she can't sleep if, if she watches the cake porn. Well that would be why they watch six hours of it. Ancestor is a boy. Oh, big pardon. Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. She didn't know. It's not her fault. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's a default. I don't always way. know, but sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love listening to Ross, um, 
Ron Perlman read and Beauty and the Beast. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I would pay to hear Tom Hiddleston read his grocery list. I what? No, come on now. Talk read to me, Tom. Talk list. to me. Talk to me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see. I saw the light. Not because I'm a Hank Williams Sr. fan. I'm totally not a Hank Williams Sr. fan. I'm going to put up with the music so I can see Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah. I I am, I actually, I may not go see that just for Hiddleston because I can't stand the music. Mm. It just twangs too much. It'll be okay. Tom, I'm getting the what the fuck look. Yes, I'm getting the what the fuck look. Tom Hiddleston, you know, the guy who played Loki, is doing Hank Williams. And he's actually singing in the movie. Hank Williams Sr., there is a difference. Yes, and the the reaction... Just playing the whole movie backwards, he gets everything back. (laughs) White, dog, a horse, truck... It doesn't work that way, Dave. <laughs> if only. If only, because I have lost many a day to shit. I wish I could get back. <laughs> oh. Let's see. Um, Alan oh, Rickman was... does a reading of Shakespeare in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Pride and Prejudice? I don't know. He comes to the girl, and she's in the garden, and he sits down beside her, and he reads. Panties dropped all over Britain. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Knickers. Knickers hit the floor in Britain. (laughs) Oh, yes. There's that damn line in, in, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where he's commenting about... You know the 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 sense and sensibility. I was wrong. Sense and sensibility. Oh, yes. Yeah. I kind. You know it. This this is kind of making me wish that, or maybe it's a good thing that he didn't. Can you imagine if? Um, damn it! I had the name. Now I lost it. Um. The third administrator of Atlantis. Um, Woolsey. Woolsey was was done by Rickman. If Alan Rickman had read the Harry Potter books on the audio, I would have totally bought the audio books. <laughs> am I the only one? No, I am not. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, indeed. Can you just imagine... And I don't even like audiobooks at all. I like some, you know, but they're they're one of those difficulties because, you know, there's um they have to be well done. They have to be with people who actually can can they can't be in monotone because that's just horrifying. Computer. Yes, Rickman yes, Rickman in Atlantis. Yeah, he. What would he have been? You know, that would have been an interesting question. So, uh, 
The Echo just commented that she can't listen to audiobooks because it destroys my multiple voices when I read it to myself. The the thing for me is is um when I'm when I'm reading, especially when I'm reading um, you know, the, the, the fan fiction and I've watched the show, what I hear is, you know, the people who who play the role. You know, and that to me is that's who I'm hearing in in my head as I'm listening to it. So, you know, you get um the Stargate Atlantis, I ha- I hear Joe Flan again and I hear um, you know, uh David Hewlett and I hear the whole group of them. I do hear David Hewlett's voice in my head when I'm writing McKay. Mm-hmm. I when I'm reading the dialogue that I write, I I do hear mm-hmm. David Hewlett's voice. Um, John's too. Flanagan. Um, they are very, I guess, static in my head. Very clear. Mm-hmm. Very clear. Um, but for the most part. This is something really funny. It's a really, it's a really quirk, really quirky thing. Since I've heard Senna speak, um, whenever I'm talking to her in chat, I hear her voice. It's like I, uh-huh. Senna's very clear in my head. And I don't know if it's because she has a little girl voice like me or something else, um, but yeah, she's just really super clear in my head. Uh huh. Oh, you're pretty clear in my head too. So you know that, that's something interesting, <laughs> which can be good and bad. Uh huh. Yeah. But you know, I got doing audio. By the way, is difficult. You know, it's it's not something that um, you know having having done a little itsy bitsy one for one that was only. I think it was 500 words long. It's really hard not to sit there and actually stuff more words in there because, you know, this is, you know, I'm reading it and and I knew I missed a word there and I just put it in and it's not the word I put. I mean, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nimoy. Oh, yeah. Leonard Nimoy is Spock, but... I can't think of him as a teenage Spock. No. I um have you ever listened to Alien Voices? This this is my only exception for audiobooks because there aren't any real books for me to read. Um Alien Voices, um it's Leonard Nimoy and um John Delancey. Uh, mm-hmm. they uh did this series of um audiobooks and um it's called Alien Voices and I fucking love those books. I love them. Hmm. I highly recommend that you um, listen to them. They're great. Hmm. Apparently it's alienvoices.net. And... I have they they did a whole bunch of books, um, but my favorite mm-hmm. is um the 
They do a story where Spock has gone back in time to prevent the destruction of Earth, and Q gets wind of it. So Q shows up. And he says, "I know what you're doing," and um, so they so they have this argument on stage in, in in front of a live audience, and Spock basically makes a bet with Q, and if he wins the bet, then Q has to save Earth from this giant asteroid that's coming to destroy it, and um, he um, he wins the bet, of course, and Q's like, <sighs> he's all mad, mm-hmm. but then he has to save Earth from the asteroid, and so it's just a really really good. Um, And it's their first production. Hmm. Um, but I don't see it on the list here, so I'm not sure what happened to it. There's, if you go onto YouTube, they actually have one. They even have one with, with Shatner on it. This one was just Spock and Q. Uh... Okay. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of people on there. Okay. It's Spock versus Q. It's called Spock versus Q. Um, and if you go to YouTube, you can find it. It's um, it looks like there's one person who has the original and the sequel in in, in huh. one video. And it's called Spock versus Q. I highly recommend it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was their first Alien Voices production. Um, it's great. I have the CDs, and I had them in my car forever, and I played them all the time. Ancestor. I'm going to give a lecture. Mm. It is your own fault for smoking. You've got no business smoking, dude, and that's why you burned your cell. That's why you burned your notebook. It's why you burned your book. Put that fucking cigarette down. Put it out. It's a stupid bad habit. Yes, we'd like to see you, you know, around for ages and ages and ages. Stop bad habit. Shit. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. Mm-mm. Makes you smell funny, too. And honestly, the most disgusting thing that can happen is for you to stick your tongue in a smoker's mouth. It's like Ooh. licking an ashtray. It unfortunately really is. Oh, it's nasty. But it's Spock versus Q, and if you go to um, uh, YouTube, you'll find it. I found one link, but I'm not sure what it is, and I can't really pay attention to it right now, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's the whole thing or not, but it says original, sequel, and more. There's a... There's a... Um, there's one uh, fic that I've got where um, um, Captain Kirk gets shrunk down to a child, and it's it's um, the the current one uh, that we've got, and um, he had invited uh, original Spock to the to the Enterprise, and and through a series of events, he um, they meet up with Q, and it's um, one of those stories where Spock basically gets around Q and takes his abilities, and um, 
logic is a beautiful thing when you're Cute. deciding to bend it into a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much you so much as um um when you're Spock, when, when you're the elder Spock, and have have figured out that um, logic is a pretzel that I can play with, you know, and and that's and that's one of those interesting things. So, hmm. let's see what I get here. It's um, I think it's when Q is your last or best bet or something like that. You know. My bookmarks are weird. I have never realized how bad some of the stuff that I have, you know, um, the hell do I have in here? Oh, when I die, I clean out my bookmarks and don't look at them. I'm not so much um, worried about my history as I am about my bookmarks because I have some bookmarks that it would be difficult to explain. Yeah. Because there are some things I keep track of that I really have no interest mm-hmm. in, that I keep track of for other reasons. And if I wasn't here to explain them, I would look like a total freak. More than I already do. Like, more of a freak than I actually am. Uh-huh. There's, um... Yeah, it's it's when Q becomes your last chance by White Raven. And it's funny. I laugh a lot. There we go. Oh, I'm so sorry, Anna Maria. Um, the by the way, in regards to to wiping your your um, history and all the rest, please don't make it anytime soon. If you break <laughs> anything, make it a foot again. If you do anything else, you can't type. I don't want to break my foot. All right. Leg. Oh, apparently yeah. Kim Dave is guilty of bigamy. Who? That chick in Kentucky who won't issue gay marriage license. Really? Apparently she is? Guilty of bigamy. Oh, that's, that's just fantastic. Oh, owing to a clerical error, Davis neglected to have her divorce decree from her first husband, Dwayne, spelled D-W-A-I-N, properly notarized before eventually marrying Joe Davis, her current and husband. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's not end it on a Kim Davis note. I've only got 90 seconds left, and I don't want to ha- have that cow on the end of my um of, of my podcast. Yeah. Um, we're gearing up for a rough trade. Our mm-hmm. date for erasing the site, getting the site prepped for November, is October 1st. Be thinking about your... Um, your submissions and what you're going to do for November. Uh, I'll be doing a post mouth. for the challenge <laughs> on or around the first, and then we can do signups and then get everything ready. And then we're going to bust out in November and write some time travel. And it's going to be great. Um, you guys have a fantastic weekend. I will see you tomorrow and probably on Sunday, unless I find something more interesting to do or if I'm writing. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night, all. <laughs> Shut up and sit down.